0: Welcome to the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast. My name is Holly Samuel, and I am a registered dietitian, certified personal trainer, and master of health education with a focus in eating disorders, and I am your host today. In this podcast, we talk all things nutrition for runners, improving your relationship with food and exercise, and becoming a lifelong injury-proof runner. Now let's get into the episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to today's episode where I talk to Elizabeth Scott, who is the woman behind Running Explained. You may have seen her on Instagram with her super informative and thorough posts on all things running, or maybe you've also checked out her podcast, the Running Explained podcast, where she is the host, and also... Goes into a lot of detail on different running subjects. So if you're not following her, um, I say this multiple times throughout the podcast, but go follow her. Seriously, you're going to learn a lot. Um, and we, you know, chatted today about a topic that I think is really important to talk about because I think when we look at Instagram or when we look at social media, we look at you know elite runners. We're often seeing their highlight reel um or a highlight reel of how training is going. We see the highs and we see the best parts and we don't always see the lows or when training just doesn't go <laughs> as planned. Um, and if you only follow people who share the highlights, I always encourage you to follow some people who share the highs and the lows who maybe are a bit relatable because when it comes to statistics, most runners, all runners really, are going to experience injury at some point. It is a sport that has a very high rate of injuries. Um, not necessarily like super traumatic, like, you know, um, you know, life altering injuries, but they can be the nagging overuse type injuries that do interfere with our ability to run and have a good quality of athletic life. So We talked about today what to do when your training cycle maybe isn't going as planned. Maybe you got sick. Maybe you started to experience an injury or something popped up or life got in the way. Maybe you lost some motivation in your training. And we talked through what to do about it. You know, how much time should you be taking off situationally? You know, Depending on how much time you took off, when's you know when should you kind of jump back into training versus alter your training plan? When do we need adjust- to adjust our goals for race day? When do we need to maybe you know move what race we're doing or not start a race that we had prepared for? When's a good time to do that? How to gracefully drop out of a race and when that's a good decision, and how to be a smart runner so that you can stick with this sport for the long term. Um, Now, Elizabeth is a UESCA certified run coach, and she has a ton of knowledge on coaching runners of all different levels. And she also shares with us some um, personal experience she's had with this topic um, more recently which i am not going to spoil for you because I want you to listen to the episode but first before we get into the episode if you are loving this podcast I would really appreciate a five star rating and review on your podcast player if it allows you to it just helps other people other runners just like you find the podcast and benefit from the free content that I put out here so if you can take a minute to just, go leave me a rating and review. I would really appreciate it. You can also share, you know, take a screenshot of each episode, share it on your social media, tag me, Fit Cookie Nutrition, tag the guest if you want as well. And I would really appreciate that. It just helps other people, you know, learn from this information as well. So without further ado, let's go chat with Elizabeth about what to do when your training cycle doesn't go as planned. Elizabeth, and welcome to the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I know um, I've listened to your podcast for many, many, many episodes that you've done so far, and it's super awesome. So I'm excited to talk with you today about
1: some of our topics. Me too. And I'm excited to be a guest on your show since you were such a wonderful guest on my show.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So tell everyone um, kind of who you are, you know what you do and where you live if they don't know already.
1: My name's Elizabeth. I am the creator of Running Explain. So Instagram and podcast where I try to explain or at least try to make sense of a lot of running and running related topics. People have so many questions about running, whether they're new runners or have been running for years. uh, And I'm just like, Hey, you know what? I think there's probably an answer for all of that. So that's what I do. Um, I started running uh, about four years ago and it's just totally snowballed into this career. And I love every minute of it. And I am in new England. If anybody is wondering like, where is she? I live in Connecticut. So (laughs) that's why I was at the Hartford marathon this weekend. That is my hometown, my new hometown race.
0: That's awesome. I didn't know you were in Connecticut. I knew you ran the Hartford Marathon, and I was like, I wonder if I'll discover something new. That's cool. I'm in New Hampshire. So hello, New England. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, I know, I mean, i I typically tell people, you know, where they can follow my guest at the end of the show, but if you guys aren't following Elizabeth on her Instagram page and her podcast, like and you like running and you want to know things about running, like what are you doing? go follow her. Um, and we'll talk about where to do that at the end. But you know you you're really good at explaining all these topics, which is why I'm so excited to have you on the show today to kind of talk about, you know what to do if your training cycle maybe goes a little astray. Um, you know, kind of when to pivot your goals. you know, maybe switch your race entirely, DNS a race, do not start or do not finish a race, DNF, um, and kind of some nuance there. Um, But first, yes, let's kind of talk a little bit about your story. So like, how did you get into running? You know, where did you start and what does it look like for you now?
1: Yeah. So I started running actually, you know, the classic, like I played sports in high school and I ran for, you know, JV soccer and I actually cross country skied. And so, you know, I swam and so I had this like, you know, vague athletic background, but after high school, I basically was completely sedentary, um, for over a decade. Um, I actually started running when I was 29 because I'd recently quit drinking. I got sober and realized that not only like, yay, I'm not dying anymore too, I should probably lose a little bit of weight. Uh, I had obviously was living a very unhealthy lifestyle and three had a whole bunch of time on my hands because I was, you know, had no longer drinking lots of things to do with all the hours I had in the day. So, um, I thought that running would be the best way to maybe lose a couple extra pounds. And so I signed up for a local 5k and I remember I started running in July and I couldn't even run a mile when I first started. I was, I felt, you know, I remembered back to when I was in school and I was fairly athletic and I think it's just a mile. How hard can it be? And I could not even finish a mile without stopping to walk. But slowly and surely I built up on my own, kind of figured out, like, I just kept going and kept going and kept going. I had, uh, I signed up for that 5k. I actually, fairly really in a classic runner fashion, I ran a 10K the weekend before just to make sure that I could run the 5K the following weekend. So my very first race was actually a 10K that I found on Groupon. And it just really like took off from there. You know, I, I did all the classic new runner mistakes. I increased my volume way too quickly. I experienced shin splints. I experienced IT band syndrome. I ran a marathon six months after starting and like a whole can of worms with that whole process. But basically I realized as soon as I started figuring out that there were actually answers for all these questions. Like I bought training books and I was like, Oh my goodness, there is a proper way to train. Oh my goodness. There's an answer for why my knee feels the way it is that really just lit a fire under me. I am definitely the kind of person who is, um, curious to a fault, I guess you could say. And I, my, my husband jokes that my best friend is Google. Like, I'm like, <laughs> let me Google that. I'll figure it out. So it really just kind of became this thing where I'm like, Oh, there's so much to learn. There's so much to explore and discover. And I love running as a sport. And it's just really took off from there. So I recently finished my fourth marathon. Um, I have run, you know, I properly trained for this one, Well, we'll talk about how my training went in general, but, um, you know, it, since then running has just become such an important part of my life and I can't imagine my life any other way now.
0: That's fantastic. And I appreciate that you shared kind of like that you got sober and, you know, it was part of like a big kind of lifestyle change for you. And, um, I think, yeah, I mean, your love for running, it escalated quickly, which is great. Um, and I love that like Dr. Google or not Dr. Google, but just Google in general seems to be how you figure a lot of things out. Um, You know, again, if people don't follow you on Instagram, like your posts show that you are extremely thorough in when you research things. Um, You know, so it's cool to kind of hear you come full circle and um, get into coaching too. So, you know, when did you kind of become more of like a running coach and kind of incorporate that into your,
1: um, like into your career? Uh, It's interesting. One of my best friends asked me, I think it was about 18 months ago, um, she wanted to run a local race. She, she had been running and then she had some health problems and she wasn't sure if she could run again, but then she could run again. And she knew she's like, Elizabeth, will you help me? Like, tell me how to run. I was like, I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll send you a training book. And she's like, no, like, I want, I want you to tell me, you know, you know what you're talking about. I don't have time to read a training book. I'm too busy. And I said, okay, I'll train you. I, uh, I wrote her a training plan for her very first half marathon. And that was like, just like, wrote you know, made it pretty, and you know sent it to her via email and I was like here it'll help you train for your first half marathon like cribbing from training books I'm like you know reading you know all like you know Hanson's half marathon I'm reading all like oh this part of this and all and I I know this and this is her build up and so I realized that I'd already been kind of doing this like I I become a coach without even realizing it but then I realized if I really wanted to coach people I probably should become a coach um So even though I had a lot of knowledge just through the reading that I had done and the research I'd done on my own, so all the training books that I read, just becoming a student of the sport from a science perspective, I went and got my training certification from USCA. so I'm a certified uh, running coach now, and I do have one-on-one clients and offer training plans and a training group as well, but it's just the endless puzzles the pieces of how everything fits together for each individual runner and what their specific goals are just endlessly fascinates me.
0: That's awesome. And I think my internet cut you out a little bit, but it sounds like, you know, you kind of figured out how to start like coaching people because it was what you were already doing. You just weren't like applying it to the actual individual yet. And then that kind of really kickstarted more of a fascination with it, which so in terms of your most recent like marathon experience um you know tell us about the training you know what happened and where where
1: it ended up oh man every marathon training cycle is in itself a marathon of an ordeal Uh, some of them go smoothly some of them less so i had started out with this most recent like cycle my a race my goal race was actually not the hartford marathon which if you're listening to this in the future time stamping it's middle of october so I was not an October race. My, my A race, my goal race was actually going to be an end of August race. And the Hartford was just going to be a fun run a couple of weeks, you know, nine weeks later, um, because it was here. And I, um, had, I had chosen a training plan, which was, I, you know, I, I prefer, I like Pete Fitzinger, Fitzinger as a running coach. Um, so I like to modify his plans for myself, uh, because I feel like I respond to that kind of coaching and that kind of training. Well, but it was just a really rough buildup. I was really struggling to kind of find my groove. I recently moved to a new house. I was in an unfamiliar neighborhood, which is much hillier than the places I've been training before. You know, I had a lot of life stress with business and just, you know, as we all know, things just add up and add up and add up. So the training, I was not getting quite as much volume as I wanted to, but it's still very respectable. And I was like, you know, it's gonna be fine. Hot summer, hot summer weather brings fall PR, it'll be fine. And then about five weeks out from race day, I noticed in my metrics, which people shouldn't pay attention to, except when they need to pay attention to them. And this is one of those situations I noticed on my ground contact time balance, the balance between your right and your left foot and how much time they spend on the ground was becoming unbalanced. And I'm pretty typically even 50, 50 split maybe, you know, 0.1% in either direction. And I was start, starting to see a pretty heavy skew towards my left foot, which means that my left foot was spending more time on the ground than my right foot. which means that something was going on on my left side, but I didn't feel it yet. It didn't feel it until like two weeks before my taper. And I it ended up becoming so imbalanced in my runs. I've I wasn't limping, but it looked like I was limping when I ran. I was like, oh my God, I don't even know what's happening. I'm doing everything right, even though I'm not running that much. Time to go to a PT. So I went to a PT. I'm continuing to run during this time, getting as many miles as I can, right? It's really uncomfortable. Running unbalanced sucks. He was great. We've been working together ever since, rehabbing some injury. But the week of my race, I ended up feeling what I possibly could have been a stress fracture in that left-hand side it was not it was just an inflamed muscle that happened to be very near where stress fractures can occur in your lower leg but i decided to pull out from the race and made a decision to pivot and just focus on hartford instead so again it's like i feel like i've been training for this race for months and months and months because i have and it's been this whole weird build up but and we'll talk about today you know what to do in your training cycle doesn't go as planned this is something I just have a whole bunch of firsthand experience of in a very recent way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like, I I think it's, it's so good to hear you say like, you know, You practiced what you preached, (laughs) um, which is so hard sometimes, you know, and you, you went to see the PT, you kind of modified your training plan. You made the hard, but right decision to pivot your marathon. Um, you know, and luckily you had signed up for Hartford anyway. So that was kind of like an easy pivot to, um, have on the schedule, but you know, let's, let's also hear about, you know, while we're here, let's hear about how it worked out too. Like how did the rest of that training cycle
1: look for you in particular? And then what happened at Hartford? So it ended up going really well. It was a very weird new look at all the my data. You know, like I had this giant, basically, I tapered into my original race and then like didn't run for like three or four weeks, barely ran at all. Um, was able to get a couple key runs and longer runs and then tapered really aggressively down into Hartford. And I ended up running only two minutes off my marathon PR, despite all of the trials and travails that I had just gone through. I ran a really strong race. I ran negative splits. I am still, still just a hair above that BQ line. But hey, if I got that close after this kind of buildup, I know it's gonna happen next time.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, an ideal training cycle. And like, that's awesome. Um, and how's your, how does your leg
1: feel? It's good. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, this is, and this is the problem with running injuries. It's like, it doesn't go away overnight. This is something where, Hey, you know, it probably took, I don't know, a couple months or longer to reveal itself It's going to take a while to resolve itself. But from a percentage point, I'm probably like 95%. It's one of those things where as you become a runner who's so aware of their body, like I know it's not perfect and it's something I'm probably going to have to continue to work on through the rest of my running career, but it is like night and day compared to what it was before I went to PT.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're so spot on too. Like there's a difference between like, okay, this injury is something I need to like, you know, really back off on. And then it's different when you know what it is, you, you know, where you're at, you know, what you need to do, and then you can have a bit more confidence in your decisions. Um, which is a good place to be if you're a runner, who's experiencing that twinge of pain and feeling alone. Um, it's definitely good to kind of get it figured out so that you don't feel like every step you take, you're just destroying your body. Um, so in terms of, um, you know, this topic, so like, you know, when we get sick during a training cycle or when an injury pops up during a training cycle, I think it's easy for people to, you know, panic, um, you know, kind of wonder what they should do. It's helpful if they have like a coach who's educated, you know, in these topics to help guide them. But if they don't, you know, for example, let's just start with like getting sick, you know, during a training cycle. So if someone kind of starts to have some symptoms, um, and we don't need to get into too much, like if it's the flu versus like a, a small head cold, or, you know, if it's something serious, but, you know, at what point, you know, in those symptoms, should they think about taking a day off or altering their plan? What advice would you typically give someone?
1: I am definitely a coach who skews conservative when it comes to this stuff, just because when you're in the middle of a hard training cycle, you're, you're already a little bit in a weakened immune state anyways. And then if you then get sick and then go train hard or at all while you're sick what, what benefit is that going to be towards your training? It's not, you're probably going to feel like crap when on your run, you're probably not going to perform very well. Uh, you might actually dig yourself into a deeper hole when it comes to recovering from your illness, right? So you may have just prolonged that three-day cold. Maybe it's a five-day cold, maybe it's a seven-day cold. Maybe you turn that cold into an actual, maybe you have something viral now, right? So, um, I would, I always advise my athletes, Hey, you know, allergy is one thing, right? If you, if you're sick, stay home seriously, what benefit is there going to be? What is that one run going to do for you while you're sick that staying home would, you know, is going to, it's not, it's not worth it in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know. I tend to be more conservative as well. Um, and kind of say, yeah, you know, if it's something that, you know, is like allergies, you don't really have any symptoms besides maybe like a sniffle or something that's like super like up here, just in the head area, you know, that's one thing. Um, but you know, if you're starting to have like headache, sniffles, like feel pressure in your sinuses. It's going down your throat, you know, all those symptoms, like you said, running tends to exacerbate things. So, um, it's probably just going to make them worse, or you could at least alter your intensity, um, you
1: know, and bring it down a notch. I will also say, I mean, the the non-negotiables, like any sort of fever, right? If you're fever adjacent, if you think, I think I have a fever and it's like 99.9, stay home. Like that's not, no, (laughs) don't even try Vomiting, obviously, you know, if you have any sort of gastrointestinal, like hey, I have, I have food poisoning, like don't run, you know? <laughs> so these types of things where sometimes when we're in this bubble of really pushing our body to the limit, it be, we kind of lose sight of the common sense of, Hey, you shouldn't run today. You're sick. That's okay to take a day off. You're sick. mm mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And to your point too, you know, what we're training, you know, our immune system is going to take a little bit of a hit with like extra hard efforts. But if you're also getting sick, like all the time, you know, it might be, um, you know, areas to say, all right, how's our health in general? Like, do we need to take it down a notch in terms of the stress on our body? Are we eating enough? Um,
1: you know, and some of those symptoms as, as well. And something that's really hard for a lot of runners and the questions I get are I got sick is it okay if I take time off? And my my answer is always like well what's the alternative? Like you don't have an alternative. You have to take time off. You are sick, you need to take time off until you're feeling better. The the you know the risk the the um what you might do to your body by training through that illness, that's not even an option on the table. So, does it suck? Yeah, being sick sucks. Missing training sucks but you have to play the um, card that you're dealt. And sometimes you're gonna get sick and you just have to roll with the punches and take the time off and just get better as fast as you can.
0: Yeah. And when, you know, when someone does kind of take time off, um, just kind of on the topic of being sick, you know, assuming it's something kind of viral, you know, random that they caught and it's not something like more serious. Um, you know, when they take time off, like at what point would you recommend like just going back to training and picking up where you left off once they're better? Like if they take too much time off, should they scale back? What would you kind of say about that?
1: Yeah, this is, um, this is one of those like, well, it kind of depends um, but generally speaking, cause this is the problem with training plans, right? Too like, we, we base our training plan, our training cycle on an end. We have like an end goal. Like that's an immovable object. Like our race is on X date. That's not changing. We have so many weeks to get to race day. And if we're in the middle of a plan, we have to miss a week. What do we do? We can't just go back and repeat the week we missed. Like our race doesn't get extended out by a day or a week. Um, so generally speaking, broadly, If you miss up to a week of training, I typically advise that you just like dust your hands off and move on. You missed a week, just like move on to the next part of your training, Um, mostly because you can't really go back, but also because missing a week in the grand scheme of things is nothing. Honestly, it's not. You might think, I missed a whole week of training. Actually, in some cases you might benefit from the rest, to be completely honest, you're not going to lose any sort of um, measurable amount of fitness in such a short period of time. So if you miss up to a week of training, I'd say, you know what, just forget that week ever happened in your calendar and just continue on with your training plan as written.
0: I love, I love that. Yeah. I know I, in one of my running groups in Charlotte, like the super fast guys, you know, who would like take off as soon as we started, you know and they were fun to keep up with for certain certain training runs um you know they were sick at one point and then they came back the next week and i was like oh they're gonna be like slow because they've been recovering. No, they were like faster because they took a week off. <laughs> um, so yeah, it can absolutely benefit you if, the, if that's the case in some regards, you know, in other regards, you might feel like you're clawing your way back up, but for the most part, a week is nothing um, in the grand scheme of things. So I appreciate that perspective. Um, and if someone has to miss like, you know, say two weeks, you know, because they got sick, maybe they tried to run through it, they made it worse. Um, you know, and now they're they're kind of sick for two weeks, like would you recommend altering training plan? Like at what point, I guess, taking time off um, you know, for this particular category, we'll get to injuries in a minute, would you say, okay, maybe alter the training plan?
1: This is a tough one. And it depends on a couple things. It depends on where in the training cycle that the illness occurred. It depends on the history of the runner themselves, and it also depends on how what kind of illness they had, how sick were they? You know, if I if I have a runner that's out for two whole weeks because they're sick. Like I'm actually concerned about their overall health, right? I'm not even concerned about getting them back to training. If you had to take two full weeks off or more from training because you're sick, maybe we shouldn't be returning to training. Maybe it's time to modify what your goals are. Maybe this race is not going to be happening for you, especially if it happens anywhere close to race day, anywhere within eight weeks out from where your race day is, especially for the marathon. So that would be kind of my first, my first concern to be like, if you're that sick, I genuinely don't know if we should be proceeding especially as we get closer as that happens closer to race day. And then this is where working with a coach is really beneficial, right? What kind of plan are you following? What kind of training are you been doing before? A coach might say to you, "Hey, you know what? Actually, based on where you've been in the past 5 years of your consistent training, I think you could be jump right back in and you'll be completely fine." For a runner who doesn't have that kind of base, who has maybe chosen a really aggressive plan, it's going to be dangerous for them to jump right back into training and kind of not ha- have skipped that really important base building that they needed to do before they were jumping into the following week of training. So it really does depend, and I know that people listening kind of hate that answer, but keep in mind, like you have to respect what your body is going through first and foremost. We cannot force ourselves to do things just because we want to. We have to always meet ourselves where we currently are.
0: Yeah. I love that answer. And like, do you too, like if you have a client and I know, you know, if they're working with you, they're probably not maybe running into this as much, but still like if, if someone's feeling maybe not sick, but like, maybe they're like halfway through a marathon training cycle, for instance. Um, I had some athletes experiencing this with like summer training because it's just a little bit more grueling, um, because of the humidity and the heat. Um, and they're feeling kind of like burnt out. Like they're feeling like, okay, I'm barely making it through like my training runs, you know, I'm not really sick, but I'm just not that motivated. I'm feeling kind of flat. Like maybe I'm not hitting my workouts. What would you tell someone, you know, who's maybe experiencing that when it's kind of like early on in a training cycle? Um, you know, there's obviously going to be some fatigue with marathon training, but you know, what would you tell someone who's maybe in that
1: kind of situation? It's okay to take a couple and plan rest days, honestly, you know, Like we talked about before, even taking up to a week off doesn't really impact your fitness that much. Taking an unplanned rest day or two might actually make your training be better later on. And also that being said, the polarization of your training is super important in that when you're doing your, especially for endurance training, marathon, half marathon, your easy day should be genuinely, truly easy. Like, I can't even tell you, it does not matter how fast you go on easy days. The training cycle I just described, like I was running routinely running most of my easy days between two and three minutes slower per mile than my actual race pace was like, yeah, I run my easy days slow and I can still throw down on race day, right? So keeping your easy days truly easy is what allows you to go hard on your race days and actually running too hard on your easy days is a prime contributor to that burnout feeling to maybe you're getting sick more often than you should be to feeling flat, to really not feeling like you're in it to mental burnout that. So that's really important. How the training is performed is also really key part of this.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really helpful. I think that's a good reality check for a lot of people too. Um, and in terms of like, you know, getting into more of the topic of like what you just experienced, okay. Like I'm feeling like something's starting to come up. There's a part of my body that hurts, um, you know, or doesn't feel like it should feel. And I feel like maybe an injury coming on, you know, what kind of happens then? Like, I know it depends on the injury for sure and the severity, but I guess, what would you tell someone to do if they're starting to feel that come up like in the middle of like, you know, their peak
1: weeks of training, especially. So peak weeks are one thing. Peak weeks are your, they're your highest volume, most intense weeks of training. Like you might, Feel a little beat up. That's kind of normal, right? You just put your body through a whole lot. It's somewhere to feel a little aches and pains. What we're really concerned about is things that escalate, right? Like, oh, it was a, a little kind of sensation the other day, and now it's actually escalated into a thing. Um, so things that progress, they get worse, things that progress during the course of your runs, actual pain, physical pain that occurs, um, things that don't go away, right? Sometimes we have aches and pains that come and they randomly go, right? Like, what was that? That just kind of appeared and now it's gone. I genuinely don't know what happened, but if it's not going away, it's time to see a physical therapist. They are like, stop trying to figure it out on your own. You don't know. Your physical therapist knows how to assess you, how to diagnose you, and how to get you to the start line healthy. That's their goal. Their goal is not to keep you coming back to PT for years and years and years. Their goal is to fix you to the best of your ability and get you to the start line in one piece.
0: Yeah. So you would say like, don't even mess around. Like if it's become a thing, like just go find a physical therapist and and see what they say.
1: Especially since runners are really notorious for ignoring things until it's too late. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like in terms of um, I think it'd be helpful to kind of dive into like, you know, those sensations you were talking about, like in peak weeks of training and even maybe like during the taper, like what I guess sensations would you say are like expected or maybe even normal versus like, oh, maybe that's something I should pay attention to, especially for someone who's maybe not super in tune with their body does take it too far um, and kind of ignore all those warning
1: signs. So feelings of like general heaviness and fatigue, just feeling like your legs are really tired or flat. They're not springy. You're like, I just feel really kind of tired all over. That's completely normal. That is just cumulative fatigue in action. Right. Um, What we're really looking for when it comes to things that you need to be aware of are things that are imbalanced, things that are one sided. I'm feeling this sensation on my left side, but not my right side and feeling this this sensation specifically in my left hamstring, but not my right hamstring or things that um, are throbbing or aching in nature, things where you can point to specifically the spot where you feel it. Like even if it's one specific spot on your body, or you can trace down the muscle, like this specific muscle right here, all down, that's where I feel it. Like if you, if the more specific you can get, the more urgently you need to go to a physical therapist, um, that general aches and pains that's normal. But as is it, as it narrows in on, Hey, I can actually tell you exactly where I'm feeling this problem. That's really when it's time to go see a physical therapist. Um, of course, anything that is sharp or sudden in nature, like that's non negotiable. You, you know, physical therapist now. Um, anything that, like I said, is recur, you know, doesn't go away or it gets worse, especially as you run, anything that causes you to limp or change your gait in any way. I don't care if changing the way you run makes it go away that's not a solution to your injury you actually need to go get the root problem figured out so all of these things are you know unfortunately a lot of runners figure this out through the making the wrong decision they figure this out because they did let that injury linger and didn't get checked out and then they figured out hey the next time this happens i need to go see a professional but maybe maybe you can be the listener can be the one runner who actually is proactive about when that injury pops up and getting it treated ahead of time
0: Hey, everybody, I wanted to take a minute to hear a word from our sponsor, which is KOROS. KOROS Wearables makes GPS watches that help athletes train to be their best. And they use top of the line hardware with innovative technology to provide endurance athletes with the gear that they need to achieve their goals. When you use a KOROS product, you know you're getting a tool that has been designed, tested and perfected for the athlete by the athlete. And their roster of professional athletes that use their products is quite impressive. Have you heard of Elliot Kipchoge, Emma Bates, Des Linden? I mean, if it's good enough for them, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Coro's watches allow you to create your own personalized workouts. They allow you to implement your training plan for running, cycling, swimming, and even a strength or core workout at the gym. If you need an extra reminder to properly fuel during your workout, Coros has you covered with the customizable nutrition alerts. So you can basically just have me poke you every 30 to 50 minutes to remind you to take your fuel on the run, which is pretty cool. Coros users have set world records and been to the highest point on earth, pushing their products to the extremes. And at Coros, creation and innovation is never ending. So you know if you are wearing a kuros watch you know that you are going to be the focus as the user so if you want to be part of the kuros community by you can follow kuros global on facebook or instagram or you can head over to the link in my show notes to view some of their various products i personally have the kuros apex which i love i've had it for gosh, probably almost a year now. And it's so easy to use. The interface is so pretty. The app is awesome and very easy to use and understand. And I totally love my watch. So I hope you head over to the link in the show notes to check out Coros Global. Now let's get back to today's episode. yeah and like you know if something does pop up um and like obviously you're pretty experienced you've coached a lot of uh runners you know just throughout your your coaching your coaching experience um like how often i guess if you had to like put a percentage on it um you know how often would you say like runner experiences small issue and then still makes it to, you know, goal race and performs well. Like how often does that happen versus like runner experiences, small issue, it explodes in their face and they never make it
1: to goal race. Um, since I have a very like kind of no tolerance policy, like as soon as I get that, you know, pain report and final surge, I Get the email where it's like, I, this didn't feel right. I'm like, stop, don't run. (laughs) We are not running on it. Luckily, I haven't had anybody who's been derailed by injury. It's unbelievable what a couple of days of pure rest and, a, you know, maybe a little rounds of mobility work will do. I'm not kidding. It's like magic. Like don't even try to run it the next day, take a couple of days off, actually don't run, do some mobility work for typically we're talking about, we're talking about um, hip issues, hamstrings, quads, calves, feet, that sort of thing. Um, and bo- most often unless there's some sort of underlying injury that is just now rearing its head, those sudden, suddenly appearing, um, you know, oh my God, what do I do now? A couple of days of rest and some mobility work really does a, a lot of wet magic to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then they have good success. And in terms of like, you know, um, I think it'd be a good, good way to deviate into like, if someone's experiencing like an issue and, you know, Maybe we can talk about like the timing and when that matters, like what weeks of training are kind of pivotal that you that you don't miss or that you are able to alter and change to still make it to your goal race. Like at what point, you know, if someone's experiencing an issue, maybe they don't work with a coach or they just don't have the guidance. They're trying to find a PT, um, and they're kind of unsure about the future. You know, at what point is it a good idea to maybe start thinking about, you know, maybe my goals, you know, if it was originally to like BQ or get a PR in the marathon, especially like that longer distance you know, at what point do I maybe need to think about altering my goals? Um, you know, what, sh- what kind of should I look at from training that's been completed where I need to alter my goals? And then at what point should I maybe think, well, I don't want to alter my goals. So maybe I alter the timeline. Like what um, kind of recommendations do you have for, for that?
1: Yeah. And it depends on what the injury is or what the issue is, how much training that was missed. You know, if this is an issue that took you out of the game for three weeks, you know, five weeks until race day. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably have to alter your goals, right? Like I did, right? I had an injury that took me out of the game pretty close to race day. And yeah, I altered my goals. That What I ran in Hartford was a time I'm very happy with, but that was not what my goal was, you know? But I pivoted and I made a new race plan and I executed that race plan well. So sometimes just adjusting down or up, wherever, slow down, adjusting your goal to slow down a little bit could actually, as long as you're physically capable of completing the distance and have done most of the training, I tell my athletes, our goal is to get it mostly right. Most of the time, that's our goal. There's no such thing as hundred percent perfect when it comes to training like this. Um, if you get it mostly right, most of the time, adjusting your goal to be a little bit more conservative can actually bring you a big win on race day. Now, that being said, if you're in the middle of a training cycle and something happens and you're starting to struggle, There are some key ways you can, I hate to say this, like this is how you can modify your own training. Um, The first thing to do is to cut intensity, right? Intensity is super hot on our body. And when you're training for a distance event, the most important thing is distance. So if you can still complete the volume of your training by cutting out the intensity, drop your speed work, drop your tempos, drop your goal pace work, as long as you can get the miles in, that's really, really, really good. Awesome, that's all, as long as you can get the mileage in, cool. Like we're almost all the way there. If you're struggling to get the mileage in, that's when I think it's time to actually reach out for professional help and maybe talk to a coach. Because if you, you know, you've dropped intensity And now you really can't, you know, you're like, I really, I'm flaming out around mile 14. I'm struggling to run. I'm supposed to be running six days a week. I'm struggling to run more than four. You know, if, if you're struggling with the volume component, there's probably something else going on in your train that we need to look at that may or may not be related to the issue that you faced that requires a deeper dive
0: yeah and like this is like this could be probably a deeper subject too so like when you um you know when you talk about like the the volume so we're talking about you know if someone had you know like an eight mile work like you know run on their schedule and like six of those miles were supposed to be at like a tempo pace and now we're just talking about just do like the eight mile easy run so that's what we talk about when we mean like dropping the intensity keeping the volume if someone finds that keeping the volume is tough, um, I know this is a question I get asked often, you know, what place, um, does cross training have and what are your recommendations around that topic?
1: Yeah. Cross training can be hugely beneficial, Mm -hmm. but in certain situations, you know, the cross training's not good. It's not a replacement for running cross training does you know, we talk about cardio crossing aerobic cross training, talking about, you know, biking and swimming and aqua jogging and, and, elliptical and all that stuff. So that, you know, the, the cardiovascular activity that mimics the intensity of running, um, not strength, not mobility. Those are separate. Those are also important, but they're not, not what I consider cross training. Um, I, it really depends on why you're struggling with the volume, because if you're struggling with the volume in a certain training plan, you know, one, it could just be that you've chosen a plan that's way too aggressive for you, right? If you are training for a race, and you're running 50 or 60 or 70 miles a week, and you before this plan were running 25 miles a week, it could just be that you chose a plan that was way, way beyond your level, and that's why you're struggling. Like, oh, cool, easy answer. The plan was just not a match for you. If you've come into your training cycle at a volume where you should be able to handle the training volume, let's say you were already at 50 miles a week and your plan only peaks at 65 miles a week and you're really, really struggling, know i think it depends on why why the athlete is struggling because if they can't handle that volume of running one it's obviously going to impact their race day goal two i don't under you know what would the value of the cross training be in that situation because it's still going to be impactful in from a you know fatigue um, standpoint and it's also not going to contribute to their ability to run their race on race and i'm thinking specifically of the marathon where the marathon requires you to spend time on your feet while you're rehabbing an injury during, if you get injured halfway through, and you need to spend some time cross-training to maintain fitness. That's a far different situation from replacing significant parts of volume with cross-training, especially later on in a cycle.
0: Yeah, and I think like, um, and this is part of like the answer that, you know, we like to give That's like, it depends, but um, you know, the, the person who, you know, like was running, 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 there was no cross-training and then they got injured and then they're like, well, maybe I'll just cross-train through. Also like cross training is like a different exercise. So if you're not used to like biking or swimming or lifting, you know, it's still working out your heart. You're getting that cardiovascular workout, but it's also working out your legs in like a totally different way. Um, So I know for some people, it can almost like open a can of worms, you know, if you're not like doing, um, cross-training that's recommended for certain injuries like a PT. Um, and it can be helpful to like incorporate cross-training in a smart strategic way, rather than just like you said, like replacing volume with it. Cause it's not going to do the same things for you and it might actually harm you if you don't do it. Right. Um, so I like to mention that as well, since I know I get that question a lot. Um, and in terms now, of,
1: I will say there are people for whom actually cross training as part of a well-balanced training plan might be indicated and specifically for yeah. masters runners. But like, again, it's not a replacement for the running it's supplementing the training that as is best for them. Right. So you can't just take a training plan and say, well, I'll just do 20% of this on the bike. That's not how it works. If you have cross training, in your training plan, it should be there intentionally.
0: Exactly. So you're like, you're doing it all along and it's like a, a- strategic part of your training. Um, yeah, thanks for, thanks for mentioning that the masters runners too. It can definitely be, you know, if you're like a, you need to do like lower mileage or you need to take some of the impact off, it can be very helpful. And, um, you know, I know for like rehabbing injuries, our cardiovascular system tends to get a little bit more, um, it's quicker at becoming more fit than our like muscles are. So I know for some people too, if they've like cross trained through an injury, like a champ, and they go back to running, and they feel super fit, but their tendons aren't quite ready for the pounding yet, it can also kind of help. It can, you know, make you run into problems. So it's helpful to work with a coach on that too. Um, and then when we talk about, you know, like you said, if if you kind of have something happen, like right by your race, and you're like, ooh, should I even do this race? Um, what would like your timeline recommendations be? And again, probably depends on on the issue. But for someone to say, okay, I need to, to work this out and figure out what's going on here. Like how far into the future should I plan like a backup race? If that's going to be the option that they go for.
1: Well, first, you know, any sort of bone injury, stress, fracture, stress reaction, if there's bone involved, it's not even a question you're not running. I don't care how special that race is. I don't care how many years it took you to qualify for Boston. If you have a broken bone in your body, you're not running that. I would never, ever let one of my athletes onto the start line. If I had any sort of current bone injury, that is just ridiculously irresponsible. There's no benefit. There's only risk seriously. Um, like that scares me when I see people racing and knowing that they have, are currently dealing with an active bone injury. Now the thing that's like kind of the, the like blanket, no, non-negotiable. No, So, you know, there's no backup race here because you're going to be rehabbing your bone injury for a while. Do not pass go, do not collect $200. (laughs) Don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. Um, But for other injuries, and I, I just was talking with another physical, with a physical therapist recently about this topic, is that, you know, generally speaking, if it's not bone injury related, you'll probably be okay getting to race day with intervention that has caught early enough, right? So even if you see a PT for the first time the week before your race, that's better than not seeing one at all. Any injury that, you know, as you're dealing with it, as you get closer to race day, it's getting better, right? You're feeling less of it, whatever the thing is, maybe the inflammation is going down. Maybe you started doing some clamshells, the myrtle routine, maybe you're working on, you know, your core, you, you started incorporating movements, into your routine that are actively helping you deal with whatever the injury is. Um, that's a good sign. Honestly, this might be one of those situations where your goal changes and it's just to finish and have fun. If you're actively towing the start line with something that you're like, I right now standing here, I can feel it in my calf. Right. Um, and also being okay with understanding that it's, it sucks to DNF, but it, it sucks harder to seriously injure yourself by pushing through something that you shouldn't push through. So DNF means do not finish, right? So especially over the course of a marathon, even a half marathon, even a 10K, even a 5K, right? Talk about, you would injure yourself at any distance and knowing that you are not gonna be 100% at the start line, it's okay to be cautious in what your race day plan is. And if you need to drop out, it's okay. I would much rather somebody tell me, hey, I had to drop out at mile 10 because my calf just wouldn't stop throbbing rather than getting to the finish line and then emailing me and saying, hey, guess what? I tore my calf. Like which which one would you rather happen to you? Right.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good assessment to walk through. It's it's one thing, you know, if you do show up to race day, like you said, I've I've experienced this where I've stood on the start line and I'm like I can feel the thing that's been bothering me, but, you know, maybe I've been following a plan to help rehab it. I have confidence and clearance by like a PT to go do the race. And I have, you know, a good perspective on what is a reasonable goal, which might just be to complete the race or to listen to my body, see what happens. Um, you know, that's, that's different than showing up to the start line being like, I trained through this injury. I don't know what it is. I don't have a plan and I'm just going to see what happens and maybe I blow up. Um, You know, so don't totally different situations, and then let's talk a little bit about like when should we DNF a race? Like when should we drop out? Like I think for runners, it's a it's a like a taboo topic. Like no one wants to DNF a race. It it never feels good. Um, but to your point, there are more pros than cons sometimes. So, like, can you give some um like maybe sensations that would lead someone to say, okay, let's like stop in my tracks, let's DNF? Um, and how do you kind of gracefully (laughs) DNF a race?
1: Yeah. So first off to DNF a race, you just find an aid station, um, and tell them you are done and they will get you back to where you need to be. So, you know, races are set up and unfortunately, you know, especially for marathons that are in more, you know, half marathons that are in more rural areas or point to point, uh, you know, the aid stations might be kind of far away, but you know, tell a runner who's passing you, Hey, tell the aid station I need help, right? They'll send somebody back to you. If you have cell service, obviously carry your cell phone, you know, call somebody, call the race director, right? Call, you know, go to the web race website and call some numbers. Just, you know, start reaching out. If you are in the middle of nowhere and need to stop, just stop. It's okay. They'll find you. Um, and that being said, you know, it sucks. It sucks. I've DNF'd a race before. Um, because my back spasmed, I, this is a couple years ago. And it was one of those races where it's like, I wasn't in a good place mentally. And I had a back issue going into because I had an office job and yada, 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 office neck. And I went out too fast and I was too tense and I did all the wrong things, right? I didn't, I didn't um, adjust my goal. I, you know, didn't get the help that I needed. And at like mile eight, it was like, nope, can't, I couldn't run anymore. And I stopped and I walked, you know, kind of j- walked jobs into the finish line. And that sucked because even though I had a reason, it felt like I had somehow failed because I had gotten injured like the injury itself was the failure and I think that's one of the things that runners really struggle with is that you know I don't know if this is just an American thing or what it is but so often we tend to ascribe um, a moral like yes or no to something that's completely out of our control right to look at somebody and say well if you're injured it's because you did something wrong right that's that's not always the case injuries just happen. Yeah. Maybe looking back, you can say, maybe I shouldn't have done that, but that doesn't matter anymore. Injuries happen statistically to every runner Mm -hmm. and feeling like, because you're injured, it's somehow your fault is not very helpful for your rehab process, but also doesn't help you make very good decisions when it comes to um, racing and taking care of your health. So if you're of the opinion that the reason you're injured is because it's something that you did wrong, and you're just going to muscle through it because of whatever reason you're only going to hurt yourself more. Our goal, as far as I know, there's no runner out there who's saying, well, I only run run until I'm 40 and then I'm done, right? We all want to run for as long as we possibly can. And that means taking care of our bodies to the best of our ability, even when it means dropping out of a race. So when to drop out, this is a really, um, this is a tough one because sometimes you finish a race and if something that happened in the middle of the race is gone by the end of the race, but what we're talking about is going into the injury, going to a race with a pre-existing injury that you know about, or something catastrophic happens during the race, or if there's a health issue that occurs during the race, like um severe dehydration, if you ever stop sweating, if you ever become delirious, if you ever pass out, if you ever vomit something that is black, that could be blood. Um, if you ever um uh, Yeah. So all of these things are like automatically like do not pass go. You are now DNF from this race, right? Those are medical conditions that require you to stop running from a injury standpoint, obviously anything, if you hear a snap or a crack or a break, that is the sign to stop. That's probably a broken bone. Um, if you, anybody's read, let your mind run by Dina Castor. who's a wonderful American uh, Olympic marathoner. She broke one of her metatarsals, one of her foot bones in the Olympics, in the marathon, um, in one of her, in one of her career races, like she actually broke her foot while running in the marathon. Like you bet she DNF, would (laughs) right? Like, yeah, she got picked up by the bus. So Obviously, if you're severely injured, if you blow out your knee, uh, if you fall and hit your head, you know, severely, if you're bleeding, like it's okay to, you know, go to a medical tent. If you need to drop out, you can. Um, And then ask yourself, really, as you're going through, if the pain becomes unbearable, honestly, because a lot of us are used to running through pain. Like I can, I can run through pain. I can run when things hurt, right? That's how we end up in this situation in the first place. I can run even though I shouldn't be. But a race day, you need to ask yourself, is is this helping me or is this hurting me? Is this gonna be a story that I brag about later on or a story where I tell from the PT's office going, you know, I really wish I dropped a mile 18. I really wish I dropped a mile 18 because the marathon is specifically, but racing in general does so much damage to our body that adding an actual injury on top of that, we're just asking too much sometimes and that's okay. It's okay to be human.
0: Being him, it's hard though. (laughs) Even for Dina Castor. Um, Yeah. And I think like from that perspective too, that's helpful just for people to kind of say, okay, I'm like running along. I'm going through my checklist. Like this thing's starting to hurt. Is it? bad where I should consider dropping out, you know, or should I kind of reassess in a mile and see how it feels if it's not, you know, if it's something I'm panicking about, cause it's not even bad yet. It's just like something I'm starting to feel and maybe it will go away. Um, versus something that is like, Nope, we need to, we need to reassess and stop. Um, and I love the idea too, of like, asking another runner on course to tell the aid station ahead that you need to drop out and you can't make it the next three miles to your aid station. That's something I've experienced before in rural races where I'm like, if I drop out right now, like how am I even going to do that? (laughs) Like there's no cell service, there's nobody around. Um, so that's definitely a good tip as well. Obviously if you're on a trail race too, that would be helpful. Um, like from a trail perspective, since once you're out there, sometimes it's hard for people to come get you. Um, Do you have any other recommendations for this topic? Any other personal experience just from what you've experienced in your past training cycle? You have so much wisdom around around this topic, like for people, if they're just like having a hard time getting through a training cycle or maybe they're in an injury cycle and they're not quite sure what to do.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, Consistency will take you very far. I would much rather see a runner do a little bit, but be consistent about it, then go through giant ebbs and flows in what they're doing, right? I don't want you to run the fanciest, highest, mildest training cycle you have ever run. I want you to run a solid, well-performed training cycle, right? Half the goal, I mean, half the challenge with any sort of race specific training cycle is just get into the start line healthy, right? I can't even tell you how many runners I got messages from this fall who got injured during their training cycle. sometimes, uh, not sometimes mostly it seems like because of training that was far too aggressive for their ability. So one, having a proper training plan for your current ability, um, two working with a coach, if you have the means to, or at least asking a coach for advice. Like I do, I, I do give a lot of fairly free advice <laughs> in my, uh, in my, in my DM. So I'm not saying like, please don't flood my DMs. That's why I have the Q and a, but you know, if it, Like I said, with runners, we're so used to being kind of really hardcore about the things that we do. Like we live in this bubble of more is always better. If 50 miles is good, 60 miles is better. 70 miles is better. 80 miles is better. You know, that's just not the case. If you see somebody else doing training and that doesn't mean you have to do that kind of training either. So, um, consistency will take you far. Honestly, consistency is one of the most underrated things in running because you can do so much more than you think you can on a lot less than you might believe. Now it's not to say that as a brand new runner, you can go out and do something, you know, super intense on little training consistency means that you run more often than not more often than not over a course of the period of time. Right. And you run properly, you train consistently, you run easy miles. easy, you run your hard days, hard, you do in that day, day in and day out and having that base, That is almost more important than any sort of race specific training cycle that you will ever go through. So if you're wondering, can I still get to race day based, even though my training plan totally imploded, Hey, if you've been consistent up until now and you do what you can until race day, that will get you very far
0: you know that it's really better to have like several you know 30 mile weeks in a row um you know than to have like a couple 30 mile weeks try to shoot up to 60 because you saw someone do it on instagram and then get injured and then have to take two months off um you know so the consistency is so helpful so in terms of you know all the great advice that you give and the good content that you have where can people find you
1: yeah so I hang out on instagram a whole lot um I am at running explained. Hi. And that is my puppy because he's unhappy. He just wants to go outside. I'm on Instagram at Running Explained. I also have a podcast called the Running Explained Podcast. And I also have information about the training plans that I offer and the coaching services that I have on my website, which is runningexplained.co. Awesome.
0: Awesome. And now I want to ask you the end of the podcast question, which I'm excited to hear about. Um, so in terms of like, this could be your last race that you just did, or like the best race you've ever had, you know, you're running through the finish line. It went swimmingly exactly how you wanted it to go. Maybe you persevered despite a not perfect training cycle. Uh, what song would be playing or what sound would be playing if anything at all to embody how you're feeling in
1: that moment? It's, I love that you asked this question because, um, I was thinking like I was listening to, I had music on when I was running Hartford and I was thinking like, I genuinely don't even remember what, like you're so focused on the finish line that like, I, I don't remember hearing anything, not the crowd, not my music, not anything like that. But I would say, okay, so they have these like, um, inspirational, um, orchestral music Tracks you can get on YouTube music that are like stock music, but really that like uplifting, kind of like grand sweeping, I forget what they're called, but that that's what I want playing. I want to be like the movie soundtrack behind my life is this like unbelievably charismatic orchestral. They have really dumb names like find your bliss and like uplift now but yeah that's the soundtrack to my running success <laughs> that is that is
0: amazing i haven't got that answer before i've gotten like the whole like i have tunnel vision at the finish line and there is no there's no sound besides the finish line um but i love that answer because i i it's like if you took the sound away from so many movies like they would not be as epic <laughs> So it's the same with running, but oh yeah, and I'll
1: forget. I think it's called. I think it's called like it's this one like channel on YouTube Music, and it's like epic music instrumentals. And I'm not kidding. It's like when you think of, you know, the epic music in the background of the video, like this is that music, and I cannot tell you how how unbelievably effective it is <laughs> <laughs> when you're in the. I had a couple playing in my playlist and in, in the marathon, and I was like, oh my god, this really works. <laughs> yeah. So you just
0: got to listen to that playlist on YouTube Music, guys. There you go. Well. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you sharing your running wisdom with us. And um, I'm excited to hear more from you from your own pages as well.
1: Well, thank you for having me. This was a whole lot of fun.
0: Awesome. I'll talk to you later. Elizabeth, thank you so much for coming on the show today to discuss today's topic of when training doesn't go as planned. Isn't she great, you guys? (laughs) Seriously, though, go follow her over at Running Explained. You're going to learn a lot. And I really hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Happy running.